Joining us now is someone I've got to know over the past year. He's the brother of a good friend, David Ginsburg. And I'd like to say Steve is also a friend. Steve, how are you? I'm doing great, Stan. How are you doing? Good. Thank you very much for joining us. I just want to get our audience uh, up to speed on who Steve Ginsburg is as a writer. You were with Reuters for, what, like 30 years? 30 years, yeah, and UPI before that. So I, I, I go back back a long way. Now, were, you were not just a sports writer, correct? Correct. Uh, most, of that, uh, most of that time was, was in sports, but I was, I was in news for a good bit, uh, news editor uh, for UPI. Um, so I did, I did news, I uh, did the White House for a while. So, yeah, I've, I've got, a, got a wide background, but most of it was in sports. All right. I know the highlight of your long, illustrious career as a writer has been writing for Press Box. Totally, uh, totally. Yeah. Uh, you wrote the piece last summer, which I think was terrific, and that's why I wanted to use you again, uh, the Ken Rosenthal piece. Before we talk about the Mancini piece, what do you remember about uh, working on that story with Ken? Because it's funny, uh, I don't think he shared with you the fact he was leaving Fox as a writer for their website. Because shortly uh, after that hit the newsstands, Fox kind of said, hey, we're not doing any written words on the web. And, and that was very important to Ken Rosenthal because I know he can make enough money just being a TV guy. Yeah, I mean, he was, uh, he, he loves to write. I mean, there's no doubt about that. That's why he joined The Athletic, because, yep. you know, he's, uh, it's, it's a big part of what he does, and he enjoys every part of, of what he does in baseball, and writing was a big part of it. So yep. he was going to do it one way or another. So that was, it was a shock to me, because it came out shortly thereafter, but that's, uh, you know, that that's can. I mean, he was he was going to do it some way and he went to the athletic, which is a, a great outlet for him. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how how they do, how their business model works out. I know that they got initially like a nine million plus dollars in venture capital and they've certainly hired some high priced uh, spread talent there. And Peter Gammons, Jason Stark, Jim Bowden, just to name a few. And that's just the the big baseball writers. They're covering a local model. It's a fascinating model uh, to study, theathletic.com. It's a paid subscription. Yeah, I mean, a lot of people, a lot of the writers that I know are, are, are really hoping for it. It's like it's like the online version of the National. I don't yeah. know if you remember. Sure, I remember you know, Back that. in the day, yeah. I mean, they hired the, the best of the best, and the timing was terrible for them because – Newspapers started to, to the circulation started to go down, so they they hired all of this great high priced talent, and just didn't it, it didn't work out. It it, it lived uh, just a short time. So this is the online version, which uh, you know we'll see we'll see if high priced talent and the best of the best can make a go of it online. Yeah, I mean certainly they they have signed the the na- the nature of who they've signed. Every one of those guys probably has 400,000 followers or more uh, on their Twitter uh, feeds, and they're continually just feeding their public, their, their audience uh, content. It's, it's an interesting model. Yeah, we're all, everyone's pulling for it because, you know, we'll, we'll just have to see whether, you know, you hire these great writers, can they make a go of it? Well, will the public appreciate and pay for the, the best writers and the most, the quickest information. It's, uh, 
you know, they, uh, there's no shortage of talent on the, on the athletic, no doubt about that. I'm not trying to give you an I gotcha moment. I'm a subscriber. I subscribed early on, then I canceled, and then I went back because I, I do want Rosenthal. I love Bowden. I love Jason Stark, and I love Gammons, too. Are you a subscriber? Actually, I am not. Yeah. I am not. Okay. But you're rooting for it. Oh, yeah, yeah. All right, I got you. I'm kidding. I'm kidding around with you. Hey, we asked you to to write this cover story. Um, How special a kid is this, aside from his on-the-field talents, which are pretty obvious? How much – what impressed you about Trey Mancini, the person? I I just just loved his – his being humble was just so refreshing. You know, let's face it. I've been, I've interviewed athletes for the better part of 40, 45 years. And he's one of the special ones that, you know, you just come up to and he just, he's just humble. I mean, and it's not an act. It's not a humble brag. He's just, he is humble. I mean, he was, he was saying like last year, every, every new stadium he went to, he was pinching himself. Like, you know, like, Oh my God, look at this Fenway park. Oh, look, Yankee stadium. This is unbelievable. And, and he was serious about it. He was just, it, it was just so refreshing to see an athlete as good as he is, um, feeling like, you know, not that he doesn't belong, but that it's really special. I mean, because most of the athletes I, I've, I've interviewed over the years like, or have the impression of, I belong here, and what took me so long, and why couldn't they see it? But this guy was just, we walk into the visitor's clubhouse at Camden Yards, and the first thing he goes is, oh, wow, I've, not, I've never been in this room. He's, you know, it's just, it's just wonderful, and it was not an act. Love the guy. He's just... He's, he's humble. Being humble is his trademark, and it's it's absolutely one hundred percent honest. I mean, it's it's who he is. I mean, it's like if we were if we were casting him in a movie in the fifties or sixties, it seems like Jimmy Stewart would have played him. Yeah, yeah, that's that's exactly it. I mean, he's just this is no act. I mean, he just and this is you know this is a guy who was you know third in balloting for rookie of the year last year. I mean, this is guy. This is this isn't a guy who just you know the paid his dues and was lucky to get into the majors. I mean, this, this guy really did well in his first year. So, I mean, you could say that he, he truly belongs and he doesn't, he doesn't deserve to be humble because he's really good, but, but he is, I mean, he's just, he's a pleasure to talk to just, just a a, a truly wonderful guy. Now I know I was responsible to hook you up with um, one of his early batting coaches, a good friend of mine, a veteran uh, player and coach, Terry Crowley, uh, you were really impressed with what Terry had to say about. Trey yeah, I mean, resonated. Terry was just, uh, you know, just you know, he could not speak more highly of uh, of Trey because you know he this guy is like the, the the hitting maestro for the Orioles organization, and he saw he saw something that you know uh, that that a guy who was an eighth round picked out of Notre Dame, you know, he just. He saw right away that this this guy was going to be special. Trey Mancini, who did play his college baseball at Notre Dame, did you find anything out about him aside from how humble and and what a nice kid he is? Did you find anything out about him in doing this story that you really had that really caught you by surprise? Well, I, I guess you know, for a guy who's who's such a good baseball player, that that it almost came as a surprise to him. I mean, he here's a guy who's uh, not really widely known coming out of high school. He went uh, went in Florida, Winter Haven, Florida, 
he goes to Notre Dame because he says, look, if I don't make it, you know, I got, I have, I have, I need something to fall back on. So I'm, I'm a political science major. I'm going to really work at that because, you know, baseball is just such a fleeting thing. And, you know, I might, I might flame out anyway. So I really need to, to, to have a plan B, which, you know, is kind of refreshing because, you know, usually guys who make the majors they think they're going to be there. They think they're going to be there forever and make a fortune. Right. Yeah, and, and and being the majors, being in the majors is a given. I mean, this guy Trey Mancini was like, "Well, if I don't make it, political science will work me good." And it's, yep. a, it's a great school at Notre Dame. He he said, you know, the social life was great. I mean, and let's face it, Notre Dame is not exactly a baseball powerhouse. So no. he was thinking like, "Well, if I don't make it, or if I don't make it for very long." I need a plan B, and, and Notre Dame fit him perfectly. So I thought that was interesting that, yeah. you know, most athletes that good are so focused that the majors, you know, something that, that's a foregone conclusion. It wasn't it was not that way for Trey Mancini coming out of high school. Yeah, the word that comes through is when you hear what a nice kid he is, and then now you tell that story, it's that this kid is grounded in reality. His parents must must have raised him right. And I know that's a yeah, cliche. I know that's a cliche, but no, no, no. That's absolutely true. I mean, I spoke to his mother, uh, Beth, who who grew up in uh, Bowie, Maryland. So right. I mean, she was she was at the game where on uh, a second at bat as a major hits hits launches a homer into in, deep into left center. It was just just a magical moment, and she was just she was just so uh, on a, uh, so welled up with emotion because you know here she is on the jumbotron because they knew where she was right, sitting. Right. Her son just, you know, launches a homer in his second at bat, and, you know, she just said it was 24 years of emotion because, let's face it, if you're a parent, you're going to live and die with every at bat. And she said it was 24 years of emotion coming out, like there were ups and there were downs, and, and here's this, this magical moment that, uh, that he hits a homer, and the crowd is just going crazy, and the, the jumbotron is, is going between her and him, rounding the bases, and... You know, even Trey said that that moment was a blur to him. He said he he nearly blacked out running the bases because mm. it was it was just surreal. It was just so special. His his mother's in the stands. He got family and friends around her, and she's on the jumbotron. It was just just an amazing moment. But you you know, to get back to your point, absolutely, she raised him correctly. Um, good guy, respectful, and you know, it, it's uh, you know. Her parenting, uh, let's let's face it, plays a role in a lot of this. We're talking with Steve Ginsburg, a freelance writer who has written two cover stories for PressBox, the Ken Rosenthal piece last July, and this piece for April uh, with PressBox on Trey Mancini, the sage sophomore. Um, let me uh, let me focus on something you couldn't have foreseen is because he's a guy that figures to be right in the middle of the Orioles' batting order, especially at a time when the offense isn't producing that much. But Buck Showalter ended up taking this young player and saying, you know what, he's got more so than anybody the right skill set to get on base and be my leadoff hitter. And right now he's got the second highest, well, third behind Chance Sisko and Machado. But he's got an on-base percentage of 369. I dare say the Orioles haven't had a leadoff hitter with those kind of numbers in a long, long time. Yeah, you know, normally you think of leadoff, you're thinking, you know, the Orioles over the years, you know, an Al Bumbry type, you know. Yeah, like Brian Roberts. Or, yeah, Brian yeah, Roberts. Exactly. 
Uh, but 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 Trey's the guy that can get on. I mean, he's he started off slowly this year, but you know he's he's hitting 360 over the last week. So I mean, he's he's coming around. He's up to 273, especially in these times where the uh, the O's are offensively challenged. He's the type of guy that you know that that you want up there. The guy that consistently will get on base, and uh, he's you know he he's. You know, he's, that's the natural spot for him, especially on this club. Well, what's, you know, I don't think you want a Chris Davis up there. That no. you know, it's, he's he's you know offensively um, hurting right now, and but he's a long ball hitter. I mean, you want a Mancini, a guy who gets on, who can hit for average as well as power. Perfect, uh, perfect leadoff hitter for the Orioles. Yeah, I mean, you know, looking at the the stat sheet for the Orioles, get a load of this: Trey Mancini with eleven strikeouts, nine walks, Machado twelve and nine. After that, listen to these starting players. Well, Craig Gentry starts once in a while. Six strikeouts, no walks. Adam Jones, 18 strikeouts, two walks. Scope, 19 and one. Beckham, <sighs> Beckham, 20 and three. Caleb Joseph, 14 and one. And Rasmus, 13 and one. You can't win with a lineup that strikes out at that level and doesn't get on base. Yeah, I mean that's that's you know let, let's let's hope this thing turns around. I mean they're they're almost lucky to be five and nine at this point, and you know six and a half games back. You know it's it's early yet, but there's no way that those guys. I mean that's that's a pretty good lineup. I mean yeah. no one saw this uh, this lack of offense coming. So let's let's hope that you know they can turn this thing around because there's no way that the guys like Scope can can have a season like this. I mean this is just they're all having bad stretches at the same time. Yeah. So it would be, I don't think this is something that, you know, this is sustainable, this, this lack of offense, because, it, you know, the pitching was the question. Now, now you're looking at the offense and going, oh, my God, because it's, you know, they're just, they're just not hitting at all. It would be, you say it was not projected this way. It would be like if I hired David or Steve Ginsburg to write a cover story and they came back with a, a bust, you know? Never happened. Never well, happened. Maybe it was David would happen, but it never, <laughs> never me. All right. Hey, Steve, really appreciate it. I don't know why the month went by, and I didn't think to have you on earlier, but I really appreciate it. You did a strong job on the Sage sophomore. Oh, sure, sure. It's my, my, it was a lot of fun, a lot of fun. Uh, give me a ring whenever you need another story. I'm, right. I love doing them. All right. Thank you, Steve Ginsburg. Okay, thanks, Dan.